So, I, but I do want to mention to you, it's going to be a little bit R, because I'm going to be talking about marriages, okay? So heads up, okay, heads up for, uh, some of you are going, yeah, let's get here for that. Some of you are going, oh, I don't know, and you're blushing already. Um, okay, so Lisa's going to blush next week, okay? <laughs> okay, all right, so Proverbs, I like Proverbs, here's a quick proverb. Uh, 25, verse 15, with patience you can convince a ruler, and a gentle word can get through to the hard-headed. Wow, that's a good one. So um, I've been uh, in this series, this is the second message, we've been talking about the fact that sometimes we live like we're listening to bad advice. We don't mean to do that, I mean, we, we do, we don't actually want bad advice, but sometimes it, we, we look at the things that are going on in our lives, and can say, you know, it kind of looks like I'm kind of following with some bad advice, and and so, um, we're, we're in this series, we're talking about some really important issues, and um, and uh, we can get some on some of those issues, some 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 kind of crazy advice. But when you hear it in church, when you hear it described from here, you go, oh, "That's really stupid advice. Why are we doing it?" And so, um, uh, I'm I'm just hoping that uh, that we can uh, can instead of listening to bad advice, we'll be listening to the Word of God and get some good godly advice that'll make a big difference. Because I think nobody ever you know thinks things through and and uh, wakes up one day and says, you know, my life's going really well. I think I'm going to do some stuff to mess it up, right? Nobody actually does that, but we can kind of get attached to some things. We can get, you know, we can get addicted to something. Um, you know, I needed to be cool when I was a senior in high school, and I thought I'd try a cigarette a couple times. You can get addicted to things real easy, you know, like smoking, you know. Nobody thinks that through and says, you know, I think, I think I'm going to start this habit because I can spend a lot of money on it and have health problems. I'd like to do that. You know, nobody does that. Nobody, nobody starts out thinking intentionally, I'm going to develop a sexual addiction and see if I can mess up my marriage and chase my kids away. Nobody, nobody does that. Um, you know, nobody thinks, hey, I think I'll go out tonight with the guys and maybe place a little bet on the horses or maybe a card game or something and... It'll get worse and worse over time, and maybe I'll get into so much deep debt that I'll make friends with four big guys with Italian accents and baseball bats or something. <laughs> nobody plans that out like, quite like that, but um, nobody, nobody thinks that through. But, but you have to agree, if you just stand in culture and look around you, you'll see it. I'm not talking about all you people, but, I mean, it's really, really common. You just see it. And um, so let's leap right into... Um, scripture today, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, he's talking to the Corinthian church, and he says, he says this to them, I have the right to do anything. Now, he's quoting them. Paul is quoting the people in the church. You, you, know, you say, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. He said, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. He says, I could do this, but I don't want to be owned by it. I don't want to be mastered by anything. Now, that Greek word mastered there, um, you know, us pastor boys, we just love to tell you the Greek things. It literally means to be controlled by, to be enslaved, to be brought under the power of something. And what happens is, you know, we, we kind of have our eyes on something and we think, you know, I, I kind of know I, I really shouldn't eat the whole thing, but man, it's really good. And then later we're going, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. I mean, I was cooking breakfast the other day and 
I decided to make a, you know, scrambled fry, you know, and I'm, I'm looking in there, and I want some protein in there, and I see some really good quality pepperoni. I'm thinking, that'd be good in my eggs. So I chopped it up, and I thought, you know, there's some ham there, too. And there was a little bit of ham left and a little bit of pepperoni left. I thought, you know, I'm going to throw that in there. And I got some green peppers, and I kept throwing stuff in there. I mean, it, it was really good, okay? But by the time I got it all cooked, I'm not kidding you, it was a huge pile on my plate. And now I thought, i got to eat this. Because I cooked it. I can't throw it away. And I had this exact battle going, I cannot eat this whole thing. It tastes good. It looks good. And I have to say, that one time I had victory, I took some of it and I threw it in the garbage. I felt bad now that I threw it in the garbage. I wanted to eat the whole thing. Or we say, I, I, I know I shouldn't spend this money, you know, but I bought it on sale. Look how much money I saved because I bought it on sale even though I overspent. Or... I know I shouldn't look at this. I know I shouldn't look. Well, I've already looked now. I might as well look again. You know, I mean, we, we kind of creep up on these things. And suddenly, we wake up one day and we're just a little bit mastered by something that we never intended to get there. And I know it's kind of early in the morning and the Seahawks are playing in a while. Too early to ask you a challenging question. Don't answer this out loud, but I'm going to ask you a question. What is it that you are mastered by? What has mastered you? I mean, um, I mean, I, 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 maybe, maybe you might have a hard time thinking that answer that up, but I'm just going to give you some examples because I've come up with a little list. Maybe, maybe one of the things that you're mastered by is is caffeine. I'm sorry to step on your toes. I thought I'd start with one that doesn't have me mastered, you know, so for, to take myself off the hook. But, you know, maybe it's caffeine, you know, but, but you know, maybe you say to yourself, I cannot start my day without my double decaf half and calf or whatever that is. And, and I got to have it. Or, or maybe it's smoking. And I've had people say to me, Terry, will smoking send you to hell? And the answer is no, no. You might get to ride the early shuttle to heaven or hell or whatever, but, <laughs> but you know, or, or maybe it's smoking dope, or maybe you like to smoke gym socks. I don't know, but maybe whatever it is, maybe it's smoking something. I, maybe maybe it's, it's social media, like, you know, did I miss the latest cat video? I've got to see the new cat video. What did he say? Say, did she get new shoes? What's going on? I've got to find out. And you're, maybe you're literally addicted or it could be your appearance, you know. You're so into getting everything perfect, you know, with your, with your body. i got to work out. i got to work out. I haven't had a carb since 1999, and I'm a little bit on edge, you know. <laughs> I wish In-N-Out had veggie burgers. Have you been paying attention? Now, this is a rabbit trail. Have you seen the thing? There's a petition out there now to force In-N-Out to add veggie burgers. No, stick with that beef. It doesn't belong in there. Anyway, so... Whatever it is, you know, we can get addicted. Some people can get addicted to their physical appearance, you know, their image, or drugs. It could even be prescription drugs. You have a person who is healthy, and they're balanced in life, and things are just where they should be, and then there's something goes on, they got to have a surgery or something, and and all of a sudden they got to take this med, and it's appropriate, and they heal better and all that kind of stuff, but then they find themselves struggling with a prescription medicine. It's more common than you realize, and it's hard. It can really be hard not only to fight it, but to understand. If you've never been there, it's hard to understand it. Don't judge that. Just don't judge that, church. Or it can be pornography or some other lustful, you know, and the statistics about pornography are 
crazy, and they're just getting worse. Or it could be computer games. I had a conversation with somebody very recently about this problem, and they just play and play and play and play. And, uh, or shopping, you know. It could be a shopaholic. Or I used to work, uh, there was a lady a long time ago who was my boss, and she had a, she was a, a white gal, a Caucasian gal like me, but she looked like she lived in the Bahamas all year long. She was addicted to the tanning bed, you know, and it, it, she was addicted to it, you know. I mean, she looked like a suitcase. <laughs> okay. really say that I mean I mean but there was a problem a problem just consider for a minute what maybe it is that has you more mastered than it ought to and in that lens I'm going to ask you to listen to um, the, the the message today because I think that we need to recognize that that when th- something gets way out of balance in our life when we get addicted to something the addiction is often a symptom of the real problem. Did you catch that? The addiction is often just a symptom of a real problem. In fact, I think, and you can research this, but a lot of counselors would say that, and I agree with this statement, that addictions are actually a form of idolatry. They're actually a form of idolatry. We're actually taking something, it can even be something neutral, or it could be something that's bad or dangerous, but we take those things and we put them in the place where God ought to be in our soul. And it becomes something God-like in our lives. You know? And you know, we need God to live and to thrive and to breathe. And, and then suddenly something else is taking God's place, that central place in our lives. And many people call it idolatry. idolatry. There's a passage in Isaiah 44, and um, a lot of scholars believe that this is a very poetic look at the topic of addictions. You, it may, may not be, but that viewpoint works here. It's a story about this carpenter and um, what he does with some wood. He, he does some good things with that wood, but with the very same wood that he does good things, he forms something that becomes an idol. And so we'll pick this up in verse 14. It says, he cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. It's used as a fuel for burning. Okay, heat, that's good. Okay, some of it he takes and he warms himself. That's good, okay? He kindles a fire and he bakes bread. Okay, fresh baked bread. That's a good thing. We like that. So, so far, so good. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. He prays to it and says, save me. You are my god. And so many of the addictions that, that we have can be things that are neutral. They're just not even that bad. But when they become... A, a God in our life, suddenly it's like, you know, I, I need you to survive. I gotta have you, you know? I gotta have what's in that bottle, you know? Save me what's in this container. Save me what's out there. You know, you become a God to me, and we, and we say it over and over again. And the challenge um, that we have with so many of our addictions is we're seeking, a find, uh, seeking to find what only God, what only God can provide. We're seeking something, and only God is it capable of actually providing that. We, you know, we, we're stressed out. We're all, all overwhelmed. Where do you turn to for peace? 
Well, who gives you peace that passes understanding? Of course, it's God, but it happens all, a, a lot of the time. We just, you know, I got to have a drink. I, I, I just need to have that hit. I need to have that escape, that pill. You know, this just helps me cope. It just gets me through the day. This is what I need, and it's just my thing. And, and uh, what we're doing this is we're seeking to find some meaning, some peace to define, you know, and, and, and what that thing is going to try and do, it's going to try and mimic or it's going to try and counterfeit something that only God can give to us. And this is one of the big, big, big reasons that our spiritual enemy loves to get us tied up into bondage because it, it, it causes us to worship something, need something, um, instead of truly pursuing and needing God. And, um, okay, so we don't want to follow bad advice. And last, last time uh, I talked about how to drift from God, and I, I used a large section of the message, and I, and I kind of taught with sarcasm. That was really hard. I didn't like it. Nobody complained, but I didn't want to do that today. So I thought I'd call a friend of mine. Um, so today we're going to hear a friend of mine, uh, Homer Simpson, tell us how to become addicted, okay? <laughs> little help from Homer, how to become addicted. Number one idea from Homer. Don't ever admit you have a problem. You can just deny it, deny it, deny it, deny it. And um, the problem is that, that that's not God's way. Jeremiah 3.13 tells us this. It says, only acknowledge your guilt. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery with, against him by worshiping idols. See, God considers that as unfaithfulness in a personal, private, intimate relationships. And, but there's that word again, that... that, that, that um, idol issue. We're, we're told to acknowledge our guilt and admit we've done it. And when we don't do that, we're taking a step towards becoming addicted to something. And it looks like this. You know, we tell ourselves, you know, I might have a problem, but I can quit anytime I want. I, I've said that to myself. And, you know, maybe you've been there for years and years and years and you've been saying that for years and years and years. Or, or maybe other people have been telling you, hey, this doesn't, you know, this, you might have a little bit of an issue here that just needs some, some light on it. And, and these could be people who love you. Could be close friends, your spouse, you know, your, somebody in your small group. It could be your kids telling you these things. And you don't want to listen. In fact, you might find yourself distancing yourself from people that tell you that. Or we make excuses, you know, we... We call ourselves a victim. We, we say we're powerless to change. This is just the way I am. This is the way God made me. Besides, I deserve a little something, and it's not that big. And it's not hurting anyone, so we make up these excuses. So number one, the start uh, to becoming addicted, according to Homer, is don't admit you have a problem. Number two, number two help from Homer, gratify your fleshly <laughs> desires. I thought about using that graphic that has the x-ray of his brain, you know, that little tiny, but <clears throat> I'll save that for another time. But Paul, you know, Paul tells the, the believers in Galatia, starting in chapter 5, starting in 16, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. And when you walk by the Spirit, that's going to clash with bad advice, by the way. It's, 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 it's going to clash with worldly advice. What happens, it says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So this is really important, something here for us to understand that for those of us that are followers of Jesus, there is a war going on inside of you. There is a war going on in there. 
You know, when you call on the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven, you're transformed, you know, you become a new creation, and the Holy Spirit's with you and, and, um, and, and trying to lead you into life and into righteousness. And the problem is, the fleshy nature isn't gone. That nature that Paul says we're supposed to crucify, he says, and, and, and we find ourselves literally needing sometimes to shout down the flesh. You got to shout it down, you know, I'm not listening to you, you know. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is trying to build us. And sometimes we'll see that as conviction. You know, come on, Terry, you know better. Let's, let's, or, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is always lovingly trying to draw us closer to Christ. Always. Meanwhile, you know, the flesh can act like a spoiled two-year-old in the grocery cart <laughs> with a candy bar. I want that candy bar, you know. Throw a fit. Give me that candy bar. I'm not leaving till I get it. And we can do that. You know, we can do it, right? Do we know how to throw a two-year-old? We do. I know you don't. Okay. I mean, I know how to throw a two-year-old fit because I think that's inside of us. It really is. We can be like a spoiled two-year-old making sure we have access to whatever it is that we're addicted to. And it can be really, really too easy to follow that lower self you know, my flesh, flesh wants it. I'm having it. I want to have a party. We're going to have that party, you know. If you see something that your flesh wants, you buy it. Eat it. Grab it. Smoke it. Chase it. Whatever, you know. If, it's, if, it's, if, you, if you have a problem with drugs and you've got the wrong friends, you always make sure that you keep enough cash on hand so that you can get it when you need it. Or, or if it's eating junk food, there's always some stashed. I'm telling you, that's my... One of my nemesis. I've got a stash. <laughs> and it's terrible, and I fight against it, and I try to get rid of the whole stash by eating it. <laughs> Sooner I get that out of here by eating it, the better I'll be. You know? <laughs> and there are certain aisles I try not to go down at the store. I don't win that battle always. Okay, so Homer's bad advice to mess up your life and become an addict. Number one, never admit you got a problem. Number two, gratify your fleshly desires. Number three, keep your addiction a secret. Don't tell anybody, especially the people who care for you and love you and support you. Don't tell them. <laughs> no, not so much. Okay, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. Bang, that's pretty direct, God. In other words, if you hide it, you're not going to be blessed. That's, so, so hiding it's bad advice. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So when we follow bad advice and you know, we're battling our sin alone and we don't tell anybody else, especially not telling Jesus' followers, here's the deal. Sin grows best in the dark. It grows best in the dark. That's been said so many times in so many churches. It's so true. It just grows. Sin grows best. But when we have a trusted, mature follower of Jesus that we can share with, you know, help us in our battle. They'll pray for you. They'll encourage you. They'll hold you accountable. They'll lift you up. You know, okay. And Homer's last bit of advice, we need to finish with Homer. Um, above all else, he says, depend on your own power, never God's. Okay, depend on your own power, and um, that's just enough from you, uh, Homer. I think we're done with you. Now, um, um, I, I, I know that, that there is power in God's word to speak to hearts. 
that promises that the, the word of God will never return void. And there are things about the word of God that get into our souls and can really make a difference. And, and so, so I'm going to tell you about this, this Corinthian church that Paul's talking to here. Um, these people had some really massive problems. I mean, I know we have some, some problems here in this room, but these people were dealing with addictions and strongholds, and, and they were locked in some deception. And um, whatever you think you are facing and struggling with, they were facing that and probably more, probably more. But, you know, I don't know what your picture is of this church, but it's um, th- at the time that this is going on, this little struggling church was smaller than this. Somewhere, so, some scholars say 40 people, some say 150 was the biggest. So we're, we're, we're a bigger church than the one that Paul's talking to here. So picture a smaller group than this, and I'm going to tell you the stuff that was going on in this church in Corinth. They, were, um, they, were, they, took, they kind of took on this whole grace thing and said, you know, we, 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 can, we have the freedom to do these things because Jesus is going to forgive us. So we don't really have to pay attention to the, the lifestyle we have. And they were doing all kinds of things in the church. There were all kinds of factions, Okay. So picture a, a smaller group. Let's say, you know, you can be the observers. And here's the church in Corinth, small group of people. And within this group of people who all know each other, you have meals together. There are people in here suing and mad at each other, lawsuits, suing each other. There are social classes. Time for a meal. I'm sorry, you cannot sit here. You go over there. This is just for the cool kids. Go on. You know, I mean, there's factions in there, and they were doing things like there was prostitution going on, and there were um, just, there was meat sacrifice. There was idols, idol worship. But there was, it was a mess. And Paul's trying to, 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 to clean that up. And so these guys are struggling and um, with the stuff we're facing, and quite a bit more, I think. And Paul's talking to them, and we're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, and here's what he says, starting in verse 3. For though we live in the world, which, by the way, is a fallen world. Would you agree? Our world is a fallen world. So our world is not the standard. It's just the world. And um, we're in it, but we're not of it. Um, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay, Jesus followers, here's here's the deal. He's, He's teaching that you have power that is supernatural. You have supernatural power, and that's not limited to what you see in the world. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Okay, this is that word power again. It's literally dunamis, um, the Greek word. And it, it literally means, we, we get dynamite from the word. It literally means explosive power. It doesn't mean that you can you know, pick up the wheelbarrow and shove it across the earth. This is explosive power. Paul is saying, you got some explosive power. I mean, really miraculous power. And here's the thing. God doesn't just hurt the strongholds, but his power, we have the power to demolish strongholds. And this word strongholds literally is a, it literally means a person locked by deception. This is a person who believes lies. Okay? So the power of God explodes and he demolishes these lies of our spiritual enemy. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So here you understand why Paul is having this chat with these people. They're a mess. They're believing lies. They're locked up in those lies and they, they, they don't have it figured out. They're in trouble. And um, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have weapons that the world doesn't have. What do you have? Well, you have the helmet of salvation. 
The helmet of salvation means, means a lot. You have the, the breastplate of righteousness. The, you have the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. You have the belt of truth. <laughs> you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And your feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. This is stuff the world doesn't have. And those, that's just not some sort of poetic platitude. These are actual weapons. When you have the shield, when you put on the full armor of God, and many of you have studied this in Ephesians 6. I don't want to go on a rabbit trail. I really do, but I'm going to stay off of it. But you have something spiritual you can do that makes a practical difference in your life. Put on the full armor of God, and it will help you with these things. You have the ability to pray in the Spirit. You have the ability to partner, and God hears you in ways that go beyond your comprehension. You have access to the very throne room of God. Do not ever minimize what that means. When my children or my grandkids want my attention, I don't care if my head's on fire. They get to come. They, they're everything to me. That's the access you have to the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who can move mountains. Don't, you, have, you have these, greater is the one who is in me and us than the one who's in the world. Greater is the one who is in you than any addiction that would want to get its clutches. Greater is the truth of God in your spirit, uh, fed by God's word, than any of the lies of hell. And there are plenty of hell's lies floating around. We, we have this divine power that demolishes strongholds. And, we, and, and, and we're taught here to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Wait a second, thought. Does that lead me to Christ or not? You bow down to the name of Jesus, thought. <laughs> I don't know if you have those kind of crazy conversations. I don't do that too much. But you make those thoughts. You take them and say, hey, 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 hey. No, that is not, that's not heaven. And I'm just going to put that where it belongs. And, and make my mind uh, obedient to Christ. And, and the thing is that when we're, we're struggling, we never, ever, ever, ever fight on our own power. We, we're just too weak. We are. You can try and buck up, but you, you, the Lord doesn't call us to do that. We're all vulnerable to addictions and strongholds and lies, but we don't have to fight on our own. We have, we have the power of Christ in us. So, that's basically the four points. I'm just going to review those real quickly. So, so don't ever admit you have a problem. And, 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 and that's Homer's advice to start place. This is the place where some of us need to start. You know, today, today might be the day where in the right setting, you open up to somebody and say, you know what? I'm hurting and I'm afraid to tell you this. I'm going to trust you. But I'm in trouble and I need some help. You know, Here's the thing. Scripture tells us that when you are weak, God is strong. You start by acknowledging, I believe I, I need some help. Now, listen, church. If you hear this kind of confession from someone, from a husband or a wife or a friend or you know, somebody in your small group, you need to dial your compassion meter up to 100%. You need to hear this kind of a confession with compassion. There are scriptures that tell us about grace and mercy. They tell us that with the same measure you measure it out, it will be measured back to you. 
And if someone comes to you and says, I, I'm going to hurt you by what I'm going to tell you, but I want to be, I'm going to live in the light and I need help, and they confess something to you, dial up your compassion, because when you need it, you know, I've always thought through, do I want to hand out a teaspoon of compassion right now? And then the day that I need it, I want a dump truck full. I better dump up, dump, put the dump truck full out right now. Second one, gratify your fleshly nature. No, we've been crucified with Christ. And we say to our flesh, you don't rule me. You know, you don't rule me. And that means that when God is speaking to us, we need to get into the habit of saying yes when God's speaking to us. And uh, keeping it a secret, no, that's not, no, we need to find mercy. And that we do that by confessing and renouncing sins. And then depending on ourselves, no, we, 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 we don't have what it takes. So we understand that idolatry is when we put something, anything, in the place that God belongs, where God wants to be. Now, you might be wondering, because many times in a sermon I'll get to the point and I'll kind of talk a little bit about Terry. You know, Terry, what's, what's mastered you? And throughout the years there have been different things, and I've thought the, this question through. I've decided this. I'm not going to tell you. Um, I, just, I just think there are times for me to do that, and there are times that, that this is something that I need to share with the appropriate people in the appropriate setting. And I'm not telling you I'm rampant with sin and I'm going to go conf- confess and there's all kinds of... I'm just telling you that this is one of those things that I just, I just don't think this is appropriate. When you share, you need to carefully choose when and who and where you share. And I'm using this as an object lesson. This, the Lord is not asking you to take out an ad in the local newspaper, front page, and say, I'm a sinner! That is not what God is saying. That is not what God is saying here. And um, I can tell you this. By the power of Christ, I have, with the Lord's help, overcome things in my life that held me captive. They've been there. And I've comp- confessed to the appropriate people, and those people helped me. And, and uh, you know, when I've done that, I recognize I needed help. And I encourage you to find whatever it is and say to whoever it is, you know, I, I need some help. And now, um, you know, as I... This is, as I close here, I mean, you know, even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard about David and Goliath. You know, you've probably heard about David and Goliath. David was this little shepherd boy, and Goliath, Goliath was this big, massive, giant, bad dude. And um, all the Israelites were afraid. Goliath is out there taunting them, and um, there's a whole lot going on. I'm, I'm compressing the story down. David walks up, this little shepherd guy, and he looks, you know, he's been out there taking care of the sheep, and now he sees this big, big bad guy, and, and, he, and he's got a lot of confidence. And he looks up at this, this confidence, and he's thinking thing, and saying things like, who are you to come against the living God? And something kind of starts to churn up in him. Everybody else around David's afraid. And here's what he does. He looks at the giant, and then he looks at his God. He looks at the giant, and he looks at his God. And... and um, he, he thinks everybody else says this guy's too big to defeat, and David's thinking, you know, I, he's too big to miss. <laughs> and he's got somebody, he says, he says, he says you know, I, I can imagine, I don't know what the conversation was, but he says, hey, big ugly giant, <laughs> what do you have that my God doesn't have? Hey, big ugly giant, what do you provide that my God doesn't provide? What do you offer, big ugly giant, what my God doesn't offer? And when I mentioned to you before to, to think through what has mastered you, you know, you're thinking about it, I'm asking you right now to name it. Just in your soul, name it. 
and then look at God. Look at your heavenly Father. Look, look at Christ who gave his life and saved you and say, you know, you, you look at that pill and you look at Jesus and say, you know, hey, what do you offer that Christ doesn't offer? What's in that bottle? What do you offer, bottle, that Christ doesn't offer? Whatever it is that feeds your lust, what do you offer? What do you provide that God doesn't provide? You know, if it's a materialistic addiction, if it's a love of food, what do you offer that Christ doesn't offer? Who are you to, to come against the armies of the living God, Lay's potato chips? <laughs> I'm going to crush you. And everybody else looks at you and says, you're too big to defeat. But with the help of my God and a little tiny bit of faith and help of my God and a little tiny rock and the help of my God plus the help of my God, giant, you're going to go down. Giant, you are coming down. You're coming down. And something happened in David and, uh, you know, Pornography, you're coming down. Addiction, whatever it is, you're coming down. Whatever it is that's trying to rule me, you are coming down. I'm getting worked up up here. (laughs) Because he who is in me is greater than he is in the world. You're coming down. Giant, you've been an idol, but you're not going to be an idol anymore. And I love what Paul says to the church in Galatians chapter 5, and and, um, and I'm... uh, You know, this is it. He said, it is for freedom. You know, freedom! (laughs) It is for freedom. Was that weird just now? (laughs) I need to paint my face blue or something. I don't know. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what do you do when Christ sets you free? You you know, you're free indeed. So therefore you stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus was talking in John 8, and he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is, I think every one of us is vulnerable to different types of addictions. We're all vulnerable to that idolatry, even at little tiny levels. But when we look at that which holds us, and we look at the one who saved us, we recognize that that which holds us is puny compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. So you've maybe heard some bad advice and maybe you're living by some of the bad advice, but when you hear the truth, the truth is going to set you free and the giant is going down. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just want to thank you that we can take a look at your word today and think things through, but here we are now and there are these issues that would want to hold us hostage. Lord, I just ask for there to be something of the very supernatural things that your word tells us about that would begin to to circulate in our own lives and in our own walk. God, I pray for for uh, for, for those of us that 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 need to put on the full armor, that need salvation. There are people here who understand about you but they do not know you. And they need the helmet of salvation. They need to know that when they die that they will spend eternity with a loving God and not separated. And there's only one way to do that, and that is the way you have provided. 
Your scriptures, scriptures tell us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and that no one comes to the Father but by him. It says that all who call on Christ will be saved. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord, while we're praying, I encourage you right now to call in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, save me. I need to be saved. That's all it takes. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that. And after church, there will be people up front. You don't have to join the church. I'm not asking that. But people will pray with you. But there are, beyond that, there are those of us that are followers, and we need, Lord, to walk in truth. We need the, the breastplate of righteousness. We need the shield of faith. We need the belt of truth. We, we need, Lord, to, to walk in shoes that are fitted with the gospel of the readiness of peace. Lord, help us to use the very gifts that you, you offer to us to help us with our lives. Lord, help us to, to, to walk with you. Let the Spirit lead us, Lord. And, and Lord, we want to say yes to you. And Lord, we want to come entering boldly into the throne room, little children knowing that our Heavenly Father loves us. Help us, Lord, to understand that there's more than just willpower involved here. Lord, I pray about those things that have held us hostage, and I ask for you to put light on them, Lord, because they, they grow in the dark. So cause them to shrink with love, Lord, I pray. And Lord, for us, as we would muster up the courage and the faith to maybe share with someone, give us, lead us, Lord, to the person who, with the right compassion, will help us, not judge us or hurt us or, or whatever because of that. And Lord, I, I thank you today that you love us beyond our failures. The fact that you love us beyond our failures is profound. It's hard for us to grasp. I thank you, Lord, that you do that. Would you stand and sing with me? Because your name.